1: Dot com podcast i'm your host as always nina Pantic, joined with Irina falconi Irina, hi
2: hey guys how's it going
1: and our, our special guest for this episode is penny lerner the ceo of ays sports marketing and the founder and originator of city tastes of tennis events that happen all around the world penny welcome
3: thank you it's good to be here
0: Penny, we
1: love to ask everyone where in the world they are during this kind of crazy shutdown quarantine period. So tell us where you are and what you've been up to, I guess,
3: since the Indian Wells shutdown. Yeah, I mean, that's a loaded question, right? Where I am, I'm in Philadelphia, that's where we're based. Um, so my kids have actually moved down to the beach in Margate. We decided a month and a half ago to move down to South Jersey, um, but I'm staying in the city, and that is where we are. And we're all I'm wherever my computer is, to be honest, (laughs) you know, I carry the computer around and that is where I become. Yeah. So how come you didn't
2: go to the beach with them?
3: I do. I go in between um, because I'm nobody comes in since actually Indian Wells. So since March 9th, when we had to, you know, March 8th at eight o'clock when we kind of canceled our event, uh, I sent my staff home the very next day and nobody's come back to the office. So for me, it's been an actual place that I can come to throughout the quarantine, even when we were, you know, all in our house. It's very close to my house. So I was able to walk here and have a space that I can think and, you know, kind of think about what the next steps are and how do we, you know, how do we go from where we were to what we're going to be? And I was able to plan and strategize and have a place outside of my home with three children learning from home <laughs> and I was able to come here and do that so much has been
1: made about tournaments and the players and what everyone is doing and how they're dealing with everything but not much has been mentioned about things like tournament directors and events and sponsors and your event in particular the taste of tennis happens at I think five stops now on the tour Melbourne added this year Indian Wells Miami DC New York
3: so- and, and Wimbledon, by the way, we had Wimbledon oh. books for this year, which we can't, oh can, but-
1: Okay. So, I mean, this was going to be an expansion year for you. So take us through how your reaction was, I guess, Indian Wells when this first happened and how things have changed for you since, because I mean, there is, there could be a D.C. tournament, but that doesn't mean there'll be
3: a party. That's correct. Um, again. You know, I think we had a little bit of advance with going to Australia, being there, hearing about what was happening there, fighting the bushfires, trying to figure out what to do about that. Um, and then when we came to the States, we actually ran a City Taste of Tennis on March 7th with Maria Sharapova, John McEnroe, Michael Chang, Amanda Nisamova in LA. And then I drove out right after that, right to Indian Wells, and the next day, we realized it was too dangerous, um, too scary, and not worth the risk for, for my employees, the players, people that come, um, our sponsors. So we kind of shut it down and immediately started to rethink what, what does this look like? Um, mind you, at the same time, the entire live events industry shut down, right? We shut down on the 8th, right? Along with b Paribas Open. By the time I got back to Philadelphia, you know, the NBA had shut down, Tom Hanks had announced he had COVID, like that flight back was, uh, the world changed while I was in air, literally. I mean, we had, we saw it, we knew it, um, but it changed right before our eyes. I mean, you know, um, and so again, we just had to kind of sit down and say, okay, what do we do, right? Our friends and our community are struggling, like not only in live events, but our chefs were, you know, being annihilated. They were out of business. They were out of work. They had employees that they couldn't handle. They had payroll that they couldn't handle. Um, they were sad. Like people just immediately were sad. You know, our tennis players, you know, they they kind of went home and were like, okay, let's just go home and figure it out. Like everybody was kind of in shock. Like, what is home? Do we go to Saddlebrook? Do we go back to Croatia? Like. What are we doing? That was the big thing in tennis. But at the same time, in the chef world that we also live in, it was getting crushed. Um, and our live events was getting, I mean, annihilated and hotels were in sh- huge question marks. And I think, you know, we had to sit down and think like, okay, what can we do to help? Right? What, how can we solidify ourselves as a company um, and as a brand with the City Taste of Tennis? And how can we help all the people that have been so helpful to us over the years? you know how- how do we stay in business? That's number one right um and then how do we rise with the community? How do we show our diverse platform and you know be able to continue the conversation um and that's that's what we started to do and that's how we developed the what's in your kitchen um it started as you know, okay, let's create this hashtag because our chefs, we need to showcase and use our platform to showcase their restaurants that they're now doing takeout or, you know, whatever innovation they were doing or how they were helping their community. We wanted to get them involved with the hashtag, what's in your kitchen. And we thought we would get our fans and, you know, engage people involved to like talk about what they're doing in their kitchen because we all became home chefs overnight. Um, And then we started to get like, which I thought was really inspiring, the players started reaching out and say, Hey, we're cooking too. You know, and we have really cool, like we're in Russia and we have really cool Russian cuisine. We want to share with people and we're in Australia and I'm making really cool cocktails at home with my husband. And I want to show that. And, you know, uh, Sophia Kennan was like, I'm cooking a lot with my mom. So I want to show my mom. And, you know, Mike Bryan was like, Nadia is about to have a baby. We're not going to be able to maybe cook that much. Let's cook while she's nine and a half months, you know? And so we were able to kind of create this really fun place that was a bit of normalcy, you know, like I think we did something with Bob Bryan and Michelle Bryan, and she made like a tortilla, which, you know, is, you know, part of her culture. And she went, when she went to flip the pan over half the tortilla didn't make the pan. And it just like went right on the floor, you know, but those are moments like they're funny. And there were, we were all having them like in the midst of this horrible situation, we found ourselves at home, particularly tennis players, because they travel all the time. They found themselves at home cooking and engaging and laughing with their family and doing things that they just would have never done, which I think is what the city taste of tennis did anyway. We brought an opportunity where you can do different things as opposed to just going to a tournament, practicing, eating, playing, losing, leaving. We kind of brought that, hey, there's actually something else here. You know, there's another side to the world that you guys may or may not be experiencing. Um, And I think that's what we did with What's in Your Kitchen, You've really ingrained mm-hmm. yourself into the
1: community. I think that you're you're a part of it, and it really goes to show how ingrained you are because players are continuing to to work with you and show up for you, and then you for them. And also, there's nothing on Instagram that I will not try and cook or bake. Just want to say that, <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> right? Exactly, right? People try it. I mean, and you get funny again. It's just the funny moments that happen in life because some of the players can cook, and some have no idea what they're doing, right? But then you meet like. Dennis Kudla, who I didn't really know before. I knew him, but I didn't know him. And he's like a professional cocktail mixologist. You know, he's really good. Like you get to see, okay, I see you. Like, and now I know, like there's real, there's real talent on the tour on the culinary side.
2: (laughs) I love that you've been able to bring, um, you know, so many different ways of seeing tennis players. There's not just tennis. And I personally love all, like all things food, and I'm a tennis player too, so I am just all about your channel and City Taste of Tennis. I know that me and Nina have had experiences. We've attended some events, and I just want to know, like, how did the idea come about of your, like, why don't we mix food and tennis together?
3: So, if you can imagine, like, 20 years ago, right, when you when you girls were babies, right, and uh, we, you know, when we started AYS 25 years ago, we were working, Working a lot with like the NBA, um, I work with the National Basketball Players Association, and I ran their meetings in Puerto Rico, and I did events for them throughout the United States. I used to do All Star Weekend, and I would work with ESPN, and I would do you know Super Bowl where we work with Snoop and Ludacris and all these you know incredible talent at that time, and still incredible talent. And we started to realize like our passion, like the learner passion. Me and my mom, we we love tennis, and we were like, well, wait a minute. Why doesn't this stuff exist in tennis? Like at that time, it was like literally you came in, I think 85% of the meals were eaten in hotel rooms. Players never left their room. They stayed in the tournament hotel. They ate the food that was given to them. They went to sleep, they woke up and they did the same thing the very next day. They would rarely venture out and we thought it's so cool and you know, in basketball and football and this whole other side of the world that we don't have in tennis Um, and so we thought maybe this is a niche let's kind of put this together we had a lot of friends that were chefs um, and that like tennis and we thought you know what let's put it together and then we had you know our first couple Andre Agassi was like I like that idea I'll show up for you and having that relationship with you know at that point and he still is you know just an amazing person right so he shows up and then we have Emeril Legacy, who is basically the chef at that time. He shows up, and you have Andre and Emeril together, and p- people are like, What is happening? And you're like, I see it. There's a magic in this. Like, tennis players are gonna be everywhere, and chefs are you know, international, and they're everywhere too. And tennis, we eat, and chefs, they need to work out. And a lot of them play tennis, and we put it together, and now we're 20 years later.
0: Yeah. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology. With its sleek, mid-cut silhouette, it's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG-1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG-1 at NewBalance.com. Hi, everyone.
1: You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast with special guests. Penny Lerner. She's sharing how the tennis community is rallying behind her small business during this tough time. Keep listening. But why tennis? Was tennis something that you were interested in when you were younger or something you played? I mean, I know you love the maybe watching, but why specifically tennis? What drew you in?
3: So my mom, Judy, my partner, um, she's been in tennis since I was a kid. Um, You know, I grew up with like Mark Woodford staying at the house like doubles players you know way back 35 years ago they didn't get housing you know they would have when when we had the Ebel US Pro Indoor in Philadelphia they would have to stay at houses and so we would have these athletes stay at our house and I didn't really play tennis but my parents played tennis all the time Um, and I just you know I got to know the community and they were nice to me when I was younger and it, tennis was a good sport for my mom and it gave her it gave her a career in the early days when women were just starting to work you know and I got to see her like going from a non-working mother to like almost running a tournament here she was right underneath Marilyn Fernberger and kind of ran that tournament and then she went and, you know they hired her at Wimbledon and then she was working the U.S. Open and then she was at you know the Sony Ericsson at the time the Miami Open um and tennis was welcoming of this woman who loved the sport. And for me, I just love that people gave her an opportunity, um, you know, as a woman to, to start and work and actually do a really good job. And she was really respected. And so I think when I got out of college and she's like, I think I'm going to do something. I was like, I'll help you do that. I'll help you become who you should be and who we can be together. And we just started it like that. And tennis was always in our hearts. You know, we did work and we still do. We, you know, we've worked with Alan Iverson. We've worked with incredible athletes along the way.
1: You've had so many big names. I need mean, to mention Agassi there, but you've had so many big names show up to your events. I know in New York, Venus and Serena are like the biggest draws and the crowd goes crazy and they show up for you. And you also have John Isner uh, as the ambassador I mean, Isner, we're a big fan of Isner ever since Irina called him a tree uh, when we were teenagers <laughs> at a Kentucky Challenger. We've been big fans. So how does one become an ambassador for Taste of Tennis? And let's just assume COVID is out of the picture. Were you looking to add more ambassadors? Is Isner the main man because of the connection to city?
3: What? How does that become a, a thing? So, well, what we wanted to do, because when a lot of people hear about, oh, it's the city Taste of Tennis, sometimes they think, oh, it's just a four-hour event. You know, um, and what what we wanted to do and what I think John really understood is we wanted to create like, it's not just a four hour event actually. It's, you know, it was the patch deal. It was conversation on the internet. It was going through these different cities. Like we might only have events in these areas, but we were everywhere, um, you know, because food is everywhere and culture is everywhere and diversity specifically on the tennis tour is everywhere and you have to be very accustomed to different places, different cultures, a different way of life. Um, and so we thought that, you know, John could, you know, in our message help us get that message across. Um, and we did. I mean we do now we have, you know, we're working with Mike and Bob Bryan that we've, you know, I've spent many years with them as our ambassadors and we had a lot of ideas for how to grow that platform. Um, and so now not to go back to Evan King, but I'm really looking, you know, the pace of the world. I'm really trying to use the city taste of tennis to showcase um, the other side of tennis. That it's not all about, you know, the 50 top. There is this whole world of intellectual, incredible human beings that struggle to get to where they have to go, um, and I'm trying to give them a voice in this voiceless community right now, um, and You know, that's where kind of Evan comes in and Nathan and really smart, great guys that, you know, that can be our ambassadors in a different way. It's a different form. And that's what the digital world has given to us, that it doesn't just have to be a patch deal. There are so many ways now that we can explore these relationships um, and help grow communities within our own industry. That's that's what we're hoping to do.
2: Have you found it difficult to maintain, I mean, relationships with all these different players? I mean, you've been in the game for a very long time. So I'm just curious if it's one of those things where most players are just like, all right, I'm attending an event. That's it. Kind of like have a nice life. Or do you maintain relationships, lifelong relationships?
3: Um, We maintain lifelong relationships. Uh, We, you know, because we're not one of those big giants, you know, um, and we're not agents, and we're not pretending. Um, we're, we are who we are, and, you know, we we ask, and we deliver, and I think that that's valued um, by the players that support us. I think it's valued by the agents that support us, or the wives, or the husbands, whoever whoever's the one supporting us to get the player there, whether it's the player itself, um, and I think we put together moments where people actually enjoy themselves um, and not just tennis players, right. But coaches, you know, like tennis media, um, everything that goes behind our sport, you know, they get to take a couple hours and say, Hey, how are you doing? Outside of that? How are you doing? What'd you doing? you know, that quick pace that that tennis lives in this, this gives them a little bit of that breather to, to be able to enjoy it for a night. Right, it's right. always, that, it's,
1: that, it's always, how are you doing? Who did you play? What was the score?
3: When do you play next? Right, right. You know, and so, I mean, it's tricky, you know, because tennis is getting younger, you know? And so when you have even Coco Goff, right? Like she came to our, you know, our 20th anniversary of the City Tasty Tennis in New York and she's young, you know, and she went on the carpet and it was her first carpet. And she was like, whoa, like you forget that she's so young because she talks, you know, she's so mature and sophisticated, and you have to like, it's very different. I, I specifically remember in our, you know, at the, the taste, you know, when she walked in, we had to take her out and bring her in the back, and literally in a, in the room, I had Mike Tyson, Serena Williams, Venus walking in and Coco Gauff and Morimoto and Druni Perron and Michelle Nishan all within, like, I could literally touch them. If I had a racket, I could touch each of them right next to me. And I was thinking, wow, this is like, this is this a big is moment. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm not sure what to do. Right. you <laughs> like, like myself because, you know, people weren't around me and I needed to maintain and, you know, and I was like, this is a moment like this is what the taste does. It brings people of all different cultures together to like celebrate, you know, um, tennis and food and the cities that we're in. Um, and it's just cool to be a part of. That was probably one of my coolest moments ever in my life. <laughs> it, do- it doesn't seem like you have to
2: actually try very hard to get these players to do it and the chefs to do it. I mean, it seems like they genuinely want to
3: do it. And that's amazing. Yeah. It feels like they generally want to do it. It's a lot of talking back and forth. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of convincing. Um, But, you know, we put the opportunity. Even today, I got an email from an agent in Croatia, and I had spoke to him, you know, a couple weeks ago, and he's like, yeah, no, I don't know. And then, it, you know, the what's in your kitchen sits with him, and then he emails me back. He's like, you know what? Let's do it. Because people want to be part of something that's easy and feels good and is positive especially in today's world people want positive reinforcement and they want you know whether you're a player an agent coach you know a tournament director you want to do something you want to feel good for a minute right before before everything else happens (laughs) i think
0: with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Hey guys, today we have special guest, Penny Lerner, telling us what it's like to have Serena come to your event keep listening I was going to ask you if you've ever
1: f- felt starstruck you know it sounds like maybe that was your moment when you were like whoa
3: no that was not the whoa moment that was a oh my god moment like i've i've got so much to do like how am i going to get it done cuz my staff isn't next to me you know and <laughs> my title sponsors staring at me um i think there was one moment i don't know if it was starstruck it's hard because i've been in sports for so long and i've become Accustomed to some of the things that that happen. I know, like per se, Omar Benson Miller is you know an acclaimed actor, and he's been since Eight Mile. I've been watching him, and I loved him in you know my CSI Miami, and then I loved him even more in Ballers. You know, and then I saw that he was doing things at the Tennis Channel, and then like I got to meet him, and I think that was a moment where I was like, he's an actor, you know, and he's like you know, oh my God, we're like, I'm meeting Charles. He's talking to me. Yeah. He's talking to me. And he's like, and now, you know, fast forward it, you know, four years, you know, we're friends. Like we, we hang out and we've had dinner and we've seen each other in Miami and you know, it's all, it's just, that's how it goes. Right. Um, But I think my most overwhelming moment was it was a couple years ago when Serena was getting a lot of attention before she got to 23 and she came in I'll never forget this when we were at the W she came into the hotel and I remember Simona Halep was like waiting by the carpet to go on it and the rush of like the overwhelming feeling of the rush of media on top of Serena because Venus was also on the carpet. So when the two of them got on the carpet, I felt like I was like crushed, you know? And then I remember Jill said to me, you know, Jill, her agent, she's like, what do you want Serena to do? And I was like, leave. <laughs> she needs to leave because I don't know what to do in this moment. Um, and that was probably one of like the most overwhelmed or if you want to call it starstruck, like I was not prepared for the, that much attention and I've seen a lot of attention in my life but that was by far the biggest moment that I think I professionally had to handle and like take care of her and make sure that she was safe you know um and you know was able to like walk (laughs) yeah
2: Mm -hmm. that's what Serena brings though that's what I mean it that comes with the territory
3: Yeah. But, you know, I've been working with her for 10 years before that. This, you know, when she, before she got, and she made 23 that year, that was the year. Um, But before that year, it was never like that. It was never. But all all the attention was on her and it it shifted. Um, I mean, she's a big personality. So she, you know, she commands respect and attention. That's always happened with her. Um, But this I, I never and then it never went back it's always now it's always that when she's in the room the cameras are you know everybody's ready for her because she's the greatest athlete in the world right pretty cool to have the greatest athlete in the world on, in tennis
1: <laughs> and at your events very and, cool. uh, yeah absolutely yeah. that's yeah. awesome I really hope that The events come back in full force, maybe, you know, 2021, 2022, after there's a vaccine, because there's so much fun and they mean so much to the chefs, the players, even as someone that's covered it. Like I've had so many funny moments and memories from there, like interviewing Venus Williams that one year and then Gail Monfils dancing and like taking over the dance floor. I mean, there's so many moments. And of course, the food, like I still think about this. It was like a fish tuna taco i still think about it so you've left an impact you know and i'm hoping that you have a chance to do a lot more and i'm hoping expand even further you know like if we can get just get through this this hard time
3: which it sounds like you are Uh, we'll see right that's the new term we'll uh we'll see where we go as long as uh you know we keep being supported and congress keeps doing what they need to do and support you know small businesses and help us get through this mayhem and you know, and that players. I think it's important that players realize that you know the top 50 players that they're in a position to to help companies like ours. I think something else is, you know, in tennis when this happened, you know, the big guys got together. You know, you heard the ATP, the WTA, the USTA, you know, the idea, All these big companies got together, but nobody nobody talked to anybody that keeps the ball rolling. Nobody looked at the small businesses that help. You know amplify the message of these large institutions. And I think, you know, I mean, we, I immediately reached out to Cliff Drysdale, World Team Tennis, you know, uh, Tiebreak 10s. And I was like, let's do this together. Like, we've got to create cohesiveness. I read, you know, like, because without all of us in one, you know, rubber band, we're gonna break. Can't do it on our own because there's not enough sponsorship dollars. There's not enough players, there's not enough interest. You know, and all the big guys are taking care of themselves and they're not taking care of us. Um, And that was like that helped. And I hope that, you know, as we continue, the players realize what position they're in, especially the top guys that have made a lot of money and and are willing to do a little bit of sacrifice for companies like mine um, and and help us stay in business. You know, um, like Venus going three weeks to World Team Tennis, like that's great right? Because it helps them grow their brand. You know, the players coming on my live, um, Evan King doing my new weekly series. Like it's all great, whether it's an Evan King or a Venus Williams, like that's their job now is to help us survive. So when we get through this, we're an even stronger community because um, there's a lot of tension right now. in <laughs>
0: Yeah,
2: Ugh, there is. Mm -hmm. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. This has been super exciting to talk to you and learn all about your journey and all about uh, City Taste of Tennis. So thank you so much for taking the time and we look forward to hopefully eating some food with you in the near future. hope so.
3: (laughs) Thank you. It was great. Thank you so much.
1: From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Stay Caught Up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as tennis.com slash podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and tennis.com's Facebook page. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team, editor and audio designer and video editor, Christina Koseva, producers Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chu.